0: Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. Yeah, I'm going to need you to retake that intro there, Josh.
1: If you could just retake that intro, that would be great. What's happening, Jason? (laughs) I'm Jason Harris,
0: filmmaker, comedian, no-talent-ass clown. All right, perfect. So in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we've been talking about the films of 1999, and we are here at the pick from our producer, David Rosen. So Dave, what did you pick for us to talk about? I picked Mike Judge's Office Space. You did indeed. And uh, it's a perfect night. I mean, we've talked about how many like kind of landmark or beloved movies there are from this year. There's so many, but this is one that if Dave didn't pick it, we could have included elsewhere because it's clearly an important film. Yeah, called classic all the way. That it is. Yeah, it was not successful when it was first released. It was a $10 million budgeted film that grossed 12.2 million at the box office, uh, which was considered quite a disappointment. This was the first live action project from Mike Judge, who was already quite successful as the creator of Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. So I think there were some decent size expectations for this as he transitioned from animation into live action. And those expectations. Box office-wise, we're not met. Yeah,
1: one thing we got to talk about is, you know, when researching this, just how unhappy Judge was with the way the film was marketed. Seems like not even the studio got this one at the time.
0: No, and that's a common thread in Mike Judge's work. So, yeah, one funny thing I noticed about that is that one thing he hated, and I think some of the other producers hated, was the poster for this film, which has some person covered in post-it notes and uh, Milton, the Steven Root character, kind of peeking out from behind that character. And uh, I watched this film on Hulu where the image for it is that poster. No, I mean, but you you know what? I'm going to defend that poster,
1: even though it has really no reference point. Because originally Milton wasn't even in it and then they put him in. But like, we all remember that poster, right? That's one movie poster we all remember. So I got to like defend it. I know they did stunts, like put a dude like dressed in that, covered in posted nodes. notes in like a box above like town square or just walking around doing publicity stunts. So yeah, the, d- it has nothing to do with the movie, but
0: like as bad as the marketing might've been, like we all remember that poster. Well, I mean, maybe just cause there aren't any other posters and that when they put this movie on Hulu, that's what they're stuck with. Or I- when they put it out on DVD and they put needs something for the cover. No, I'm just saying,
1: I think if you like made a list of posters from this era, that would be one of the more memorable ones. Yes. Check it out on our new uh show Awesome Poster Year. Yeah, it's a good idea. Are there
0: how many poster podcasts are there really? There should be. Yeah. Yeah, there should be. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Get right on that, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, and so this is a movie that was the response to it at the time was mixed. I mean, not only did it not make a lot of money at the box office, it was. Modestly well reviewed by critics, but there definitely were critics who were not uh, a fan of it, and audiences didn't respond to it that much. I mean, what was interesting to me is that this movie got a C plus cinema score from the uh, the audience polling service, and that's bad because they will poll people who went to see that on opening night, the people who were most eager to see it, and I would think that as maybe this movie was mismarketed. Anyone who was like a big Mike Judge fan and was excited to go see this movie right away, I would have thought would have enjoyed it. Well,
1: maybe it was a mix of those people and the people who thought they were getting into Jennifer Aniston sitcom stuff.
0: Yeah, that is possible. And Jennifer Aniston, who has a, a like a supporting but not insignificant at all role in this film, I think was, I, you know, marketed I think as... she's
1: great in this movie. Right? She's
0: good in this. this movie, she yeah. definitely is. But you're right that if people were watching Friends or whatever and thought, oh, we're going to get a... Rachel or yeah. something in this film, they certainly didn't get that. But but critics were fairly kind to it. It got two thumbs up from Roger Ebert and his uh, guest critic Tom Shales at the time. Who uh, Tom Shales mentioned uh, he was a Washington Post critic, and he said he saw this at a screening full of government workers, and they all applauded. So uh, you know there was a <laughs> level of appreciation there. Uh, people identifying with it. So uh, Roger Ebert said in his written review, Mike Judge's office space is a comic cry of rage against the nightmare of modern office life. It has many of the same complaints as Dilbert and the movie Clock Watchers, and for that matter, the works of Kafka and the Book of Job. It is about work that crushes the spirit. Office cubicles are cells, supervisors are the wardens, and modern management theory is skewed to employ as many managers and as few workers as possible. Office space uses Orwellian satirical techniques to fight the cubicle police. No individual detail of office routine is too absurd to be believed, but together they add up to stark, staring insanity. So, Josh, real fast, Clock Watchers. Have you ever seen it? I have not. Yeah, Ebert mentions that a bunch in his review. Um, I think another isn't uh, Lisa Kudrow. Another friend is, is in she, that film. I maybe it, I'm confusing it with something else. It's
1: 1997. It's for female temps. Uh, you know, and this is a mostly male cast uh, here. Tony Collette, Lisa Kudrow, Alana Ubach, and Parker Posey. I haven't seen it either. I'd be interested in watching it. Yeah,
0: I would too. Um, and he was the only one who mentions that. Uh, I, that seems like maybe it was a favorite of his particularly uh Dilbert of course comes up in like every single review of this film because that was popular at the time yeah and mil
1: and you know it's based on the Milton cartoons which judge had done before and they were kind of like can we make a Milton movie and he just did it it as an entire office conglomerate uh the the other thing I wanted to mention in that review was like he said no detail is too small and thank goodness, Mike Judge, man, does he nail the the, the minute of this uh, culture?
0: Yeah, the detail is great. I think the, the bigger picture here is not as successful, but the little details of office life are really, really well observed. Yeah,
1: I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Josh. I feel like it's a home run all the way through.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly Dave does as well. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, I actually, I watched a couple of those Milton shorts, which you can find on like YouTube and stuff. They're all like two minutes long. Um, And it's it's impressive. Not only is Milton the character there who was played by Stephen Root in the film, but Lumberg, who you've been doing an impression of played by Gary Cole in the film is also like a fully realized character in those little shorts, including some of the like verbatim lines that end up in the movie. And is that Mike Judge voicing him in those? It's Mike Judge voicing both. And so Lumberg in that sounds like Beavis and Butthead's teacher. He says, "Mm "Okay, you know, like that. Gary
1: Cole, I had read, said when he auditioned for this. Um, He didn't really have a take on the character. So he just did his best Mike Judge's Lumberg impression. And Mike Judge is like, man, he nailed it. He got it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, I think Gary Cole, I mean, both Gary Cole and Stephen Root take these kind of rudimentary characters. And those shorts really are. I mean, they were made by Mike Judge probably like in his garage. They're very crude. So they take those kind of rudimentary characters and really bring them to life uh, in a very effective way in this version. But it's also impressive just how. Fully formed, that is, in those little early stages.
1: I mean, Mike Judge, does he, you know, I mean, maybe this is more a point for later, but as he's always seems to be ahead of the curve here in uh, in America and
0: the zeitgeist. Yeah, or at least for a, a, quite a period of time, he certainly was. So Rita Kempley in The Washington Post uh, was mostly positive. She said... Office Space, a knowing, somewhat slight, often hilarious send up of cubicle culture, exploits the yucks in the chronic misery of those routinely exposed to the monotonous gray of corporate minds and company decor. The comedy explores the same turf as Dilbert and The Drew Carey Show, but its true soulmate is the inflatable Scream Doll. Based on three of Mike Judge's early animated shorts, the film lacks a unifying theme and a compelling storyline. But as social satire, it sure hits close to home for many a corporate drone. And misery loves comedy. What is the inflator? Is that
1: that blowy man outside? Yeah,
0: I'm not sure exactly what she's referring to, whether it's that or some sort of version of the Edvard Munch painting or the man screaming. Yeah. One of those. Yeah,
1: I think we've just shown the entire cultural spectrum. (laughs) Me, used car lot guy, blowy man outside you referencing classical painters. I mean, <laughs> like that's a really almost. famous
0: image. That, I know, you know, know. We all know the yeah, painting, yes
1: yeah, yeah. Calm down. <laughs>
0: hey, <laughs> what did she
1: say there about, give me the sentence again, where she talked about there's, it's funny, but it doesn't all hold together or whatever she said there. Yeah.
0: She says the film lacks a unifying theme and a compelling storyline. And I don't know if I agree with her about the theme, but I definitely think, especially in the second half, that the plot is not worth much. Uh, I'm gonna disagree again. And I,
1: I got this quote from Stephen Holden of the New York Times because he had a similar sentiment. Uh he said uh it has the loose jointed feel of a bunch of sketches packed together into a narrative that doesn't gather much momentum. And as someone you know who tries to write comedies, um, you know some of the notes I've gotten back on scripts are it feels too sketch like or there's a bunch of sketches. And it's like if the sketches are all funny and they kind of connect, then who cares? Like It's good for
0: me. No, no, I see. And like, this is the thing is that I agree with you that it's funny when it's almost just sort of a loose collection of sketches. But it seems like in the second half, they're like, wait, it's a movie. We need a big plot. And we bring in that whole, we're going to embezzle money from the company and the stakes have to get raised and all of that. And I just didn't really care about any of that stuff.
1: I guess it's all right. Even Mike Judge said he would have wanted another crack at act three. But uh, it all it all holds together for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I still find it amusing, but I just felt like in- increasingly there was a, a focus on a plot that I just didn't really care about. I mean, you
1: know, having seen other Mike Judge movies, extract per se, but I haven't watched since the first time, which was probably more of a cohesive plot. Is that really better for N- no, Mike No, no, that's what
0: I'm saying is that I didn't want him to have a plot at all. I wanted it to be what you're describing, which oh. is just this series of sketches about office life. Yeah, anarchy. Yeah, <laughs> So uh, on the most negative end of the spectrum, Owen Gleiberman in Entertainment Weekly uh, said- Wet blanket, Owen Gleiberman. Yes.
1: There we go. He was in a bad mood in 1999.
0: <laughs> Apparently so. He said, the movie throws off nasty shards of vitality in its first half hour when Judge is setting the scene doing pinpoint riffs on corporate manners. It's like Dilbert rewritten by Kafka. But the hero turns out to be a dullard and there's not enough going on in his relationships with his two comrades. Even Peter's romance with a waitress, who has amusing corporate headaches of her own, she doesn't sport an enthusiastic enough amount of flair on her uniform, dwindles into a cliched fit of petty jealousy. Office space feels cramped and underimagined. I think Judge is capable of making an inspired live-action comedy, but next time he'll have to remember to do what he does in his animated ones, Keep the madness popping, and I'm not nearly as negative as that, but I do think that that's kind of what I was saying—that like the sort of goofy ridiculousness ends up taking a bit of a backseat to the plot, and 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 also the plot elements of his relationship with the Jennifer Aniston character, where as funny as the satire is of her ridiculous job, which is ridiculous in a different way from their jobs, like. The idea of them, it's like, we, you know, we had to have this rom-com structure. Well, they have to have a fight, and they have to break up so that they can reunite. Like, we don't need any of that.
1: It definitely does all that. I don't mind it. I kind of like those subplots and those threads. I can understand, you know, your critique of that, and also the idea that maybe we don't have enough of the three leads together, but... um I don't know, man. I, maybe none of that just bothers None of it bothers me.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I don't think he's right. I don't think uh, Peter there is a dullard. I don't think that's the right word for him. He's maybe, he's a, simp- he's a simple man. And that's kind of part of the point of the film. And so I, I thought that was fine. I liked Peter as a character. Well, Josh, I want to read one more quote,
1: because you know how we like to make fun of um, movie reviewers who speak movie review-y a lot. Yeah. So I have found this from Susan. Well, Zena from USA Today. Do you know who she is? I don't, and I can't pronounce the name for no, you. She really Rex reads this one up yeah. or Gene shallots it up. Yeah. So. If you've ever had a job, you'll be amused by this pay on to peons. Oh, that's you. that's the whole. <laughs> that's that's all you had. But It's like <laughs> yeah.
0: Look, these words sound alike. Let's put a sentence right. together. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I, as as writers we know it's sometimes tempting to do that because you're amusing yourself. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, right. So, I mean, this certainly wasn't a movie that like rode a wave of critical acclaim or anything like that, but was just underappreciated at the box office. This was a movie that based on the box office and based on the reviews seemed like something that would be forgotten. And it's definitely not that.
1: And, you know, this goes to the legacy, but we've talked about how, you know, movies have found their audience on home video before. And this definitely was a huge home video hit. But this really gets the jolt from Comedy Central, which ran it constantly. And that's how it found its uh, audience. A lot.
0: Yes, yes. And and that was maybe the right place for it. Maybe it wasn't a thing that people were going to go to theaters for, but they would watch at home. Well, I wish we would see more of that now. Uh, we don't really see too many just straight
1: comedies on streaming. And the ones we do see are not as good as this. That is, well, you know, what? how many people are Mike Judge, you know one right exactly. one person is mike Judge. Yes, i'm sure there are other people named mike judge but in reference to your question you're talking about the one mike
0: judge thank you for clarifying that to uh Lumbergian degrees
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i
0: mean uh obviously this came and went quickly did you see this in theaters Jason? no
1: and i didn't have any desire to see it in theaters i think i it was a big i wasn't a beavis and butthead fan i know you are. i love beavis and butthead yeah. yeah but um but i didn't have any desire to and I think it must people just over time must have been like, oh, you got to see it. And eventually I w- would have rented it. I wouldn't have let Comedy Central spoil it for me with their censoring of words and, and whatnot. Commercials. So, yeah, I don't need that. And uh, I loved it. And guess what? I still love it, Josh. And oh. I've seen it a couple of times since I first saw it.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, weirdly, I had almost the opposite experience where I loved Mike Judge. I loved Beavis and Butthead and i don't know at what point in the run of king of the hill this came out and that was on forever but i i really liked that show I in its early king of the season. hill was like 96 maybe it
1: started maybe so. so so
0: it Sounds was you right. know it was still in its earlier years and i i really enjoyed that then so i didn't see this in theaters i don't remember why maybe because it just came and went so quickly but it was something that i was aware of and wanted to see and eventually did rent and i remember being super disappointed in it and not thinking it was funny and uh i may not have seen it since then and coming back to it now i i thought it was fun i enjoyed it but i didn't love it you're a stick in the mud well that's been established pretty clearly (laughs) for a long time now (laughs) so dave you love this did you see it uh when it came out in theaters i'm almost sure i did
1: uh you say that every episode uh, you have d- no recollection of your earlier life, but that, you're just going to like. This is a
2: thing about me. You're going to have to like learn. I yeah. I do not remember things like before a certain year. Yeah, uh, My brain just does not work. Write
1: but... notes to yourself, memento yourself.
2: <laughs> I feel like I had to have seen this though, because I thought it looked hilarious at the time. I love Beavis and Butthead. And also, I was really hyped because of the cannabis song. Uh, <laughs> take <laughs> the shuv- is it. terrible. Yes. I'm a big cannabis fan. So, yeah. Um, that's a. Uh, wait,
1: take the shove and shove it's Yeah. A Billy Joe shove or, well or it's Joe, the, the uh, one that
0: uh, david allen co yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that plays over the credits it samples that and yeah. it's got yeah. cannabis and and biz marquee, biz marquee rap
2: it's yeah. awful yeah uh, i was a big fan wait, of that song
0: yeah that sounds that sounds about it's right. it's,
2: the, <laughs> it's the closing
0: credits song
1: no yeah. but but dave you said it looked hilarious and i'm saying i don't think it looked hilarious at all based on the marketing what what looked hilarious
2: to you about it i don't know something about it just I, maybe it was the Dilbert. Thing, you know, maybe something about it. It just, it really looked funny to me at the time. Yeah. And I'm guessing you've probably seen
1: it like 20 times. So. Oh, yeah,
2: at least. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with just making a movie that can cheer people up.
0: Yeah. I mean, and this is clearly a movie that has that effect. It's, it's beloved by many people and it's something that has that rewatching aspect to it, you know, which came partially out, I'm sure, of people seeing it over and over on Comedy Central. I think you're right, Josh. Thank you, Jason. So any other uh, background you want to mention on this? The Milton cartoons, Josh. Remember Liquid Television? Yeah, I, I was a big fan of Liquid Television. I don't know if I saw those cartoons on Liquid Television. Like Watching them just yesterday, I don't think I'd seen them before, but I definitely liked Liquid Television. And they also aired on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, pretty good. Mike Judge, even before he was famous, was kind
1: of like making
0: moves, huh? Well, right. I mean, Beavis and Butthead also came out of a short film that he made called Frog Baseball that I think aired on Liquid Television that was also uh, that that sort of like crude small scale thing that he just did on his own. For those who don't know Liquid Television, tell us about it, Josh. It was an anthology series on MTV with a lot of animated short films, and uh, it ended up being very influential, whether it's this or or Beavis and Butthead, uh, Eon Flux. Was one of the ongoing cartoons on uh, on Liquid Television, which was I loved Ion Flux, and that was made into a very bad movie many years later. Yeah, it was like the Spike and Mike Sick and Twisted Animation Festival, but on
1: TV every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, but Spike and Mike, I think, is more focused on that like Go, grossing the out the, the audience. Value, yeah, of right. wider variety, right? There was a lot of weird, experimental, cool stuff. Uh, on liquid television so yeah i definitely was a fan uh, of that show along with other mtv animation The the 90s and maybe the early 2000s were, were kind of a golden age for mtv animation i agree with you good okay <laughs> okay well we'll come back then in a moment and talk about our general thoughts on office space Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we're talking about our producer David Rosen's pick, Office Space. So, Dave, what do you love about Office Space?
2: I mean, aside from it being just hilarious from beginning to end, I just I I think there's so many funny parts to it. The overall story is great too. Like I I do get the stories that you're saying you didn't quite connect with, but uh, really it's it's the kind of the point of view of the main character peter you know there's that one line i wrote it down uh, i did nothing i did absolutely nothing and it was everything i thought it could be that he says after he gets hypnotized and just stops coming into work that line is just like my mission statement you know what i mean i mean it's it's how i live my life and this movie is is perfect for that
1: i'm gonna back dave on that because i i not just that but the other one he goes you know the first day I worked there was the worst day of <laughs> my life. And every day since then has been worse. So every day has been the worst day of my life. Yeah. I totally get it,
0: man. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I agree with you on the wanting to do nothing. Mm. Uh, I definitely feel that way. And and I certainly have that concept. One of the things that that comes up early in this film is the idea of, you know, what would you do? They say if you had a million dollars, of course, now it's that like a million dollars is probably not enough. <laughs> right. But the idea that if you had enough, that you didn't have to work, you could be comfortable, and you would never have to work. What would you do with your life? And um, I think I'm with you. I'm I I would do nothing. I mean, not li- like literally the day that that he spends doing nothing, he literally just like doesn't get out of bed, and that is a symptom of uh, severe depression. Sure, But <laughs> yeah. you know. hypnosis. In uh, this case, so. well, right, but I'm saying that like if if every day of your life you just didn't get out of bed, yeah. you would be diagnosed with some mental problems
1: uh, yeah i i uh, I could have used that diagnosis <laughs> of depression a while ago, but I figured it out sooner oh, or that's, later. That's good, but yeah, Josh,
0: but... I don't think you would do that. you would still write yeah yes, I, 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 might, would... I don't know, I don't know, but I mean, I think I would honestly i, I mean I, I I enjoy writing or whatever, but um, I think I would probably do a lot less right. But I'm saying like, look, me, you and I have
1: both had quote unquote corporate jobs in the nine to five world and neither of us are doing them now. And I don't, and it doesn't really fit us. Dave, did you ever have like an office job
0: or? I worked one year in Dell tech support. Hmm, How was that for
2: you? Just awful. Just terrible, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I was lucky in the office job that I had uh, at Las Vegas Weekly, which is, you know, a media company and it was full of journalists and creative people. And there was a lot of flexibility in when you had to be in the office and dress codes and behavior. And like, I still ultimately wanted to get out of it, but it was a lot less soul crushing than this.
1: Yeah. And I basically worked for what's the equivalent of an advertising agency for a major casino corporation. And they basically gave me free reign to do what I want. You know, like there were assignments, but they never really tried to thwart my creativity in those assignments. And they kind of left me alone and the meetings we would had were about like kind of interesting projects. And even that became too oppressive for me. <laughs> um, although I do have an Addy award to show for it. So oh, nice. Yeah. That's did, pretty did, good. did you ever have to do TPS reports? No, I never had to do anything like that. The, the worst thing I ever had to do was like, write Go on to like WordPress and write up these show descriptions for, you know, the Doobie brothers, easy stuff that any of us could do. It's just, it's just a t- task. Right. Right. So, but that's part, but that stuff doesn't bother us. Cause that's part of our job that we chose as writers. Right. But so like, that's what I mean. But even in this structure where it was like, cool, you can work on, you know, some crazy
0: ad campaign here. I still like was like, yeah, I'm ready to get out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think part of it is that corporate structure is that even, you know, and and when I was working at Las Vegas weekly, like I did get to do a lot of things that I enjoyed doing and wanted to do, but just the, 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 the hierarchy and the way things are, are, are structured can be still fairly soul crushing and lots of meetings and lots of managers and, and bosses and things being micromanaged or obligations that you have and all of those kinds of things I definitely wore on me as well. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's less about,
1: uh, I mean, yes, on all of that, but it's not just the idea of that job. It's the idea that you know what you're going to do every single day, right? There's like cuz Peter doesn't really do nothing. He goes fishing, he goes to barbecues, he plans a corporate fraud, you know, he does things. <laughs> but I just it's but I totally get the idea of not wanting to get caught in the monotony and the mundane nature of doing the same thing
0: every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose, but on the other hand, I am happy to do the same thing every day. Um maybe not those particular things, but, you know, if I had a chance to do nothing and I just got up every day and watched a few movies and then uh, went to bed, I would be happy to not. I don't like variety in my life. Man, we should make a documentary about you one day. <laughs> about me sitting on my couch it watching be, movies. I like, just put it one camera there and leave it, it for three be you know, Like yeah. that the Andy Warhol yeah. uh, Empire State Building movie that we talked about last season. Yeah,
1: it's just you do it. Look, I want to say this because like, we've, we've already done episodes on Fight Club and American Beauty, which deal with the similar themes. And I got this quote from Mike Judge here. Something was boiling underneath the American workplace that was going to come out at some point in 1999 was the year that it happened. I think this is the most effective of those three in really commenting on the workplace and the culture at that point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like Fight Club a lot more, but I think there's not as much about the workplace in there. You know, uh, Edward Norton's character, you only have a couple scenes there of him in his office.
1: Yeah. Um, I also think they beat you over the head with it, you know? Yeah. Well,
0: they're literally beating people over the head is I'm kind of the to point of that movie, that. but yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think, again, I think what I like about this movie is the way that it smartly makes those observations about office life and office culture and uses real things. I mean, I remember one of the things that, that shocked me was when I learned that TPS reports were a real thing. Like, it's it's such a thing that sounds made up and clearly that's what what mike judge is good at is finding this one particular thing that's like this is ridiculous and amplifying the tps report to me is so funny because
1: he pushes it three steps beyond where it needs to be like it's repeated so much in the first 10 minutes of it i'm sure like traditional studio note takers would be like why does he keep bringing this up the joke's dead and i'm like no, he kind of brought it back to life by continuing it so far. And uh, yeah, the printer, the the way that the printer, which Judge had a real problem. That's what he based it on. I also like the door that he can never get open
0: and everything.
2: Yeah, that static Just, shock. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: That's what I mean. He gets yeah. the static shock on it. Uh, I love those details.
2: Yeah, the details are great. So, Dave, did you have TPS reports at Dell? We had something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was was just terrible. Soul crushing. (laughs) Cause that's
0: a, so like we're Jason and I are talking about these semi create creative jobs, but that is really like the job that they have in this film. I mean, they're software engineers. They're working with computers. It's, it's an IT thing.
2: Yeah. So. An- another thing I like, it, on aside from Peter's job and, and his co-worker's job, is uh, Jennifer Aniston's character awesome. over at Tchotchkes. Yeah, She's great in this, like you said. And one of your reviews pointed out the whole thing about the, uh, you know, not a minimum required amount of flair, but what you want to yeah, express. We want, to, you,
1: we want you to <laughs> express yourself. And supposedly this movie was the impetus to get rid of flair at TGI Fridays because people <laughs> would continually make ask them where their flair was. It's right. Amazing. Well, and I
0: do like that because it shows that Mike Judge is good at satirizing these different kinds of corporate culture that obviously Chachki's is a very different environment from Inatech, but there's a lot of specificity there too. Just like he grabs on like TPS reports and PC load letter and things like that. He can grab onto that detail of the pieces of flair and, and make you really understand the mandates that go on in that company well
1: not just that the character types the manager who like refuses to confront you straight on but it's like we just want you to express yourself and then you have the uh, the coworker who's so excited to be working at tchotchkes and everything and i think we've dealt with those people too over time so i think the specificity of the characters is great as
0: well yeah and uh shout out to mike judge who plays the manager at tchotchkes yeah. yeah. himself yeah But a shout out to all the actors. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned, you know,
1: Gary Cole and how about John McGinley and Paul Wilson as the Bobs? (laughs) Like, so good.
0: There's so much fun
1: in parts that could easily be throwaways.
0: Right. And what I like too about those characters is that they seem really like jazzed about their jobs Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to Peter. Like, they're excited to really like help this company be more efficient. And when they have the meeting with Peter who has been hypnotized and he now no longer cares about anything, anything, you know, I mean, he cares about stuff, but he doesn't care about what people are going to think of him or what the consequences might be. And he just completely is completely honest with them about not caring about his job and not working hard. And they're just like fascinated by him, like genuinely fascinated by this perspective. And I like that. That you know, Lumberg is sort of soulless or whatever, Gary Cole's character, but the Bobs, they seem to be really into being these corporate guys.
1: <laughs> right. It's uh it's yeah, where do well, what does Lumberg's uh Porsche say or is what is his car? It's gonna uh,
0: yeah, it says like my Porsche or something yeah, on his like license it, it, plate. There's
1: such a uh, shallow level to the entire character there. Did you think the hy- hypnosis? I I mean, I think that could easily not have worked, but I feel like it worked for me as like the impetus for him to just like move on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's obviously ridiculous and, you know, unrealistic, but I think you just need something there and it's enough where you can buy into that. And obviously that's what he really wants anyway. So he just needs kind of this catalyst moment to let himself be how he wants to be. And so I, yeah, I'm fine with it. I and mean, similar to the Lester Burnham situation. I suppose so. And it better for it to be a hypnotist than (laughs) lust for a teenage girl. So I'll take that.
2: It's such a simplistic, like, reason for all this to go into play. It feels like a cartoon, which this, of course, being based on those comics. So,
0: yeah, I mean, there is a cartoonish aspect of this, but that's okay. I mean, that's what Mike Judge is good at. Yeah. And uh, I think he translates, unlike, uh, I think, what Owen Gleiberman is saying, I think he does translate a lot of the strengths of his animated work into this film. I I agree. I I
1: mean, I just like I said, I think he's ahead of the times a lot of the the time um i think look if you want to criticize an element to me the nagging girlfriend alexandra wentworth which was a very popular thing uh you know throughout comedies hopefully not as much anymore but you know when we talked about old school we talked about a character like that who's just there to like look at how bad the main character's life is and she's not she has zero dimensions, not even one dimension, right? Right.
0: I mean, at least she kind of disappears early on. She's only actually on screen in the one scene where they're at the hypnotist and then she calls him on the phone one time. And at least, you know, the, the sort of rom-com nature of it you would expect that there might be some scene where she decides she wants him back for some reason. And thankfully, we don't get anything like that. So we move on from her fairly quickly. And they do give Jennifer Aniston
1: some good shading as a character, I think.
0: Yeah, she gets more than she could have. And I think it really helps that she has that job herself, that she is also being subject to ridiculous corporate demands because it, it puts her on a level playing field with Peter that she wouldn't be if we didn't see those scenes of her without him.
1: I like when he finally asks her out. That seems very good. We're like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, nothing. But like, but right now, I just want to take you to lunch and then to dinner. And then he just keeps talking. He's like, well, can
0: we just do lunch first or something? Right. I thought right. that
1: was a good meet cute, even though they had already met. Before. Yeah,
0: and the fact that he's sort of achieved this state of not worrying about things allows him to be loose and uh, approachable with her. And, you know, and also they make sure that when he asks her out, he's not being, it's not like it's emboldened him. I feel like a lot of movies, maybe from this period would use that as an excuse, like he's become some sort of like ladies man with swagger but that's not what it is at all he's like hey cool if you want to hang out i'll be there and if you don't like no worries yeah you know he's very uh open with her yeah exactly he is
1: now ron livingston uh who we like and i forget but i know we've talked about him Uh, swingers we talked about him in swingers i've seen that film yeah um you know and the swingers was the biggest thing he had done to this point and obviously you know studio didn't want to cast him because why would they want to cast an actor who's good at his job um (laughs) but you know even when he was doing it what i had read was like the studio was like you're not putting enough energy in how are we gonna know you know we want this character to fight the system and it's like um and you know he trusted mike judge which was the smart move but it's it's clear that they just did not get this movie but it's interesting because tom rothman who was the head of this studio at the time i think it was sony was it that did this one i am not sure about that Actually, maybe fox i don't know But anyway, he, oh, it was, yeah, it was Fox. And he said it was the most brilliant workplace satire I've ever seen. So he got something out of it, right? When he read the script and everything. But it's interesting that they would, it's almost like they were trying to kneecap the movie before it even got off the ground.
0: Right, right. But Ron Livingston is perfect in that role. and, and, And Jennifer Aniston is good. And I think, you know, she's coming into this with all this sitcom baggage. And I'm sure this was a time when it was tough for her to, figure out what kind of movie roles to take in order to move her career beyond Friends. I mean, that was something that all of those actors had trouble with and seem to continue have, having trouble with, you know, but so she pulls it off. And it's not like we're watching this and thinking, oh, this is Rachel from Friends or anything like that. And I think, uh, you know, sort of underrated David Herman and uh, AJ Naidu, who play the coworkers, and, uh, you know, neither of whom are really famous or uh, gone, gone on to, you know, huge careers, but they're both Perfect in those little roles as well. Dave Herman does have a huge career. Well, as so, a voice actor. Yeah, he yeah.
1: does. And um, we mentioned AJ in our uh, Bad Santa episode, and you are not a fan of him there. But uh,
0: Oh, well, that wasn't his fault. That was just a misguided scene. In no,
1: I time. like I like them. And it's, you know, funny the first time we see Dave Herman and he's, you know, doing gangster rap. And uh, a once a black of uh, passenger pulls up next to him in a car, is just has to like, put it quietly down and roll up the windows. <laughs> right, <laughs> right.
0: It, it, you know, it subtly gets at things like that too, about, you know, race or whatever, where you don't really expect that uh, in this movie. Um, but I think Mike Judge manages to address some, you know, fairly complex things here within the the broad comedy spectrum
1: dave any uh uh, well we got to talk about built it real fast i think too before we get to dave oh yeah yeah
0: i mean stephen root who is brilliant in so many things and this is not the kind of role he's known for at all but he's perfect
1: man those under the breath like lines at the end of this i would burn this building down like just the stuff that he does like that is right
0: and and again all of that comes from the original short films yeah uh, it's great. There's one line I don't think that's in the movie, but in the short, where he says, I, "I'm going to put strychnine in the coffee." <laughs> he says, he,
1: "At the he says it." Um at the office party, Oh, right? does he? Oh, okay, no, I missed no. that. He says it when he's on the beach. Yeah, and the they beach give him the at wrong the very drink. end. Oh, yeah. He gonna
0: yeah. Do it. yeah. Yeah, so I missed that, but it, that was very funny. No, the, I had an
2: awakening, like, years later, seeing Stephen Root, one of his many great performances and realizing that Milton was Stephen Root. I'd never realized it, like, put That's two and great. two together because he's fantastic. so, yeah, you know, incognito. Yeah,
0: he yeah, he's really, like, immersed in that role. But, but like, we've great. talked about, like, all these, all
1: these characters are, you know, the Tom character who's, like, so... Happy that he got almost
2: <laughs> love killed that, by getting hit by a car. He's like, right. "James
1: can come. Good yeah. things happen if you work hard enough
2: or, leave right. or whatever." Well, you, you can't skip over Diedrich Bader. Yeah, so, so Diedrich
1: Bader was one of those where the studio was like, "Let's get a big actor." You know, Johnny he, he Jet, is very tall. Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> and Diedrich Bader. What I had read had this whole take on this character to play him like Owen Wilson. And he went into the audition and while he was waiting he saw owen wilson walk out of the audition <laughs> he's like oh i guess i better change the character because i can't play owen wilson better than owen wilson and
0: right right that's how he ended i feel up like he a...
1: could he's channeling maybe a little bit of billy bob in that I, role i was gonna say like a ted nugent you know cowboy
2: style i thought it was kurt uh or uh, what's his name from metallica kirk hammett yeah, yeah maybe in the hair right. a little bit yeah, yeah. but yeah. in his
0: is his demeanor i could see billy bob playing that role yeah but yeah he's uh he's definitely very funny. I mean, you know, all the performances like when we talk about getting in the detail of this world, the performances are a huge part of that. Yeah, I've made them probably the most major part of it. But I think the uh, other
1: name, you know, so Johnny Depp would have been a fun. As Lawrence. the Dietrich Bader yeah, character and, he, and Billy Bob. Oh, they both wow. have, have
0: you seen Johnny Depp in wacky, comedic? comic relief roles in Kevin Smith films and then imagine that he did that here like no Ugh. it would have been bad Billy yeah. Bob could have done Billy that. Bob could have done yeah. It. yeah
1: and the studio obviously wanted them you know 99 go after Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and then another name
0: for the Diedrich
1: Bader I character. think for the lead or whatever yeah. and then uh, uh, Kate Hudson for the Joanne character yeah no, it probably
0: would have been okay I
1: think yeah. I think I think Jennifer Aniston owns that character
0: no she's okay. good I'm just saying that I I could yeah I think Kate Hudson could have pulled it off too but However, they they ended up on this cast, and the fact is, you know, they are, the studio is asking for all those names that they didn't get, but I'm sure Jennifer Aniston is one that the studio insisted on, and the, and it worked out. Yeah,
1: I agree with you, uh, Dave. The studio also hated the rap the the rap music. The kids love the rap music, but the, the studio did not like the gangster rap soundtrack. Ghetto boys, man. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, that is a freaking fantastic needle drop when that song damn it feels good to be a gangster starts playing and
1: that's that's my favorite one of theirs yeah. So, yeah yeah but um and you know they wanted him to change it and judge said like well let's do a focus group on it and all the kids were like it's cool that they work in an office but they listen to rap music and of course <laughs>
0: that is the like ironic juxtaposition and as you see in that scene in the beginning in the car like he's also making fun of the idea that these like lame white guys are really into gangster rap yeah i like which is
2: very real by the way of course right and it's
0: another very real detail that he
1: gets right i like the scene where they're just all break dancing which aj (laughs) was um oh yeah he was like a professional dancer so he breaks out his moves i like all that stuff those are totally unnecessary
0: scenes that build the tapestry of the world for me i agree and so i mean i do want to then talk about the bot that kicks in like halfway through the movie, where they decide that they're going to create this uh, like computer virus that steals small amounts of money from the company and puts it into a bank account. And as they say, they're basically ripping this idea off from Superman three and from some real people who tried it in the seventies. And I mean, I appreciate that he's acknowledging that it's not that original an idea, but In a way, acknowledging that feels like Mike judge saying like, all right, well, I had to have a plot in this movie. So here you go. You might be
1: right on that. Um, At the same time, at least there's the motivation. We know Peter's motivation. But at this point, they're going to promote him and fire his two best friends. So he feels like corporate sabotage is a fair trade off for it.
0: Yeah, I just felt like it just got really focused on that. And then that has to escalate. And Milton is going to burn down the office building. And I don't know, just some of that rang false. And especially the idea at the end where Peter is now happy because he's become a construction worker, that doesn't seem like the right solution.
1: Well, a few things. One, Milton burning down the office building has nothing to do with that. It's just a coincidence. Well, but it is a way to
0: wrap that plot up in a very convenient manner.
1: You know, two, I think the conversations about it, like that Peter and Joanne have are fair and like work towards their relationship. And then three, like, you know, Mike Judge had talked about how he had a job like that, um, you know, and I thought I thought it was justified. Like, hey, this isn't so bad. We're in the fresh air, you know, and uh, I think he says making bucks. And I'm like, that doesn't really <laughs> hold up. But, yeah. You know, yeah. Getting exercise, really...
2: making bucks. Yeah, and
0: I, I think I read somewhere that either in the script or maybe it was shot and cut that at the very end, after he talks about how happy he is in this new job, there's a construction supervisor who starts to yell at him. And I felt like that would have been a perfect yes. button on that. That I would, would have, have been great. Yeah. yeah, to to because because then it shows you that like no, this isn't really a dream; it's just another job. Right, and he's tolerating it. Josh, would if that had happened,
1: would it have made you show your O face? <laughs> yeah, we got to give acknowledgement
0: to the the O face guy. Yeah, yeah he that improvised is. that. Did he? Yeah, that was a brilliant improvisation there. Um, and that's another thing that people quote endlessly from this film is the O face. I think so. Yeah. So uh, anything else you want to add here, Dave? Anything you uh, think we should uh, make sure to Dave, remember? Dave, pulling out the notes on this one. Yeah, yeah,
2: just taking a look. I, I, I don't know, though. I think you guys really did cover like pretty much everything. I mean... The only the only thing that maybe you didn't mention is that you brought up Tom earlier, the the, the side character of Tom who has the jump to conclusions chart. Um, I, <laughs> I I just love the one scene though where he's uh, talking about how you you got to come up with an idea, you got to use your mind, and that's how you become rich. And everybody like has. Had somebody speak that conversation at you, and you just have to smile while it Pers- happens. Personally, you know?
1: I love the long shot of them walking back oh, into the yeah. office up the yeah. grass hill, that and is- Tom, you know, trips yeah. over himself. Yeah, and just
0: just the like wherever they found that hill is such an example of the, like, pointless design of office parks that that you know that people have to walk across that every day and are tripping all the time.
1: Yeah, the Amazon series Patriot uh, from a few years ago does an amazing job of showing the space of an office park. Yeah. I recommend that show.
0: Yeah. So uh, should we rate this then out of? Cool. Uh, Let's let Dave
1: pick it. Five red staplers. Is that what we're rating it out of? or? What? Let's not let Dave pick it is what you're saying. <laughs> I think
2: you just did it for me. That's a good one. Though. No, I mean, you pick what you want. Dave. Five pieces of flair. I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. That's good. But, you know, you need 16, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least. Yeah. I
1: guess four for me.
0: I love this movie and I'd watch it again today. All right. I'm, I'm going to give it three. I, I still think it has a lot of structural flaws, but I, I find it amusing. I like it. I like it more than I used to, apparently
2: dave i almost brought it down to four just because it's not perfect but fuck it i'm going with five i love it Ooh, all
0: right yeah i feel like we've had multiple five star david season. rosen episodes it's this a season. great year guys you <laughs> know yeah. what was can, your can, other one can this? i ask now you a gave cra- five
2: stars to fight club as I well. did. Yeah, Five yeah, yeah. stars. And can i ask you guys before we move on yeah uh, is this the best dave's pick to
1: me it is and i'm glad you mentioned that because i was because i know we give you crap about yeah. it and um I actually think this probably is. I haven't, I, don't, I haven't racked all of your picks in my brain, but um, mm. this off the top of my head is. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to remember what they all were, but I think that this is probably the one I like the most. Pretty cool. So thanks, Dave. All right. We'll come back then in a moment and talk about the legacy of Office Space. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we've been talking about our producer, David Rosen's pick,
2: Office Space. Wait, I have
1: to ask David a question. Please do. Do you like Michael
0: Bolton, the singer?
2: Not the character named Michael Bolton. I mean, I can't really pick a favorite song, but you know, he's yeah. pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, will,
0: I will say that like Michael Bolton whether you like his music or not, has a nice like sense of humor about himself. He's got about a himself. great sense of yeah. humor about himself. I've so. had
2: that whole thing happen, by the way, with David Rosen because of the character on Scandal. People oh. have asked me if it's my real name or if it's... Oh, wow. It's I didn't Sam. even know
0: that. I, I I went to school with a kid named Steve Martin, which, um, you, you know... You know, there's a sketch. I think it was a funnier or Die thing where
1: they cut my, the real Michael Bolton into this. And instead of, uh, you oh, know, and he do, he does like all the yeah. real the character Michael Bolton lines. But it, when they talk about the singer, instead of calling him a no talent ass clown, he calls himself an extremely talented ass clown. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, he had that, that uh, Saturday Night yeah. Live Jack Sparrow sketch, which was fun. And he has like a, I haven't watched it, but there's a whole Netflix Valentine's Day special where he just kind of makes fun of his reputation.
2: I've as watched from that. It. is it, it was funny? It's funny. a
0: Lonely Island
2: yeah. special.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is. He's great. Yeah. So, yeah, Good for Michael Bolton. Yeah, listen to that on awesome Michael Bolton here. Yeah, <laughs> which is
0: every year. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, I mean, the big legacy here of this movie, obviously, is that it's become this, this cult classic, this hugely influential and beloved film from basically being a failure. And that continues. I mean, so many memes and references and real world. You you know, you mentioned Friday's getting rid of flair, the fact that Swingline made a red stapler that didn't exist prior to this film. Um all of these things.
1: I think two things though, Josh, it couldn't happen today because if like Comedy Central played a movie that came out a year ago constantly now, like
0: no one would care because no one watches Comedy Central. Well you know? no, but it does happen with with Netflix. You see this a lot right. where Netflix will pick up some unsuccessful movie from a few years ago and promote it. Dave talks about this. Dave's dad always mistakes old movies for new movies because they didn't do anything at the box office and Netflix just pops them up and suddenly they're huge hits. Well, that's
1: how I feel. Like Cobra Kai is the best example to me, which is not a movie, but you know, a TV show, Josh. I do know that. Okay. But, uh, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know, but the difference is uh, that yes, Netflix will give you like an algorithm where you can see it, But Comedy Central would just like run it on loops all the time.
0: Well, true. But I mean, yeah, Netflix
2: puts it in front of people and a lot of people will just watch whatever Netflix puts in front of them. Well, and the big difference is that of all the things that Netflix does that with, none of them are comedies usually.
0: That's true. It's a lot of action movies and thrillers and stuff like that. Never
2: really capture the zeitgeist or anything. Right, right,
0: right. But they certainly do find new expanded audiences to the point where I know at least, for example, the movie Den of Thieves. Uh, I think part of the reason it's supposedly going to get a sequel is because it became this bigger thing on, on Netflix. And that's obviously not like this movie, but I do think that that's a phenomenon that can happen now, just in a different way.
1: I have been involved with two spoofs of office space. Oh, as uh, you know, I like to regale you with tales of my mediocre career. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The first one was actually my friends at Ubu Productions. They had an old printer. It was either a printer or computer. And we literally went out to the desert and they almost shot for shot recreated the printer destruction sequence, which a lot of people have done. Yes, right? yes. So uh, be a little more creative. And then when uh, I had my TV show, we did a scene that was kind of a mix between the Bobs and Lumberg. And my show was a fantasy football show. And so it was me and great local actress, uh, Nicole Unger, playing those kind of Bob characters or Lumberg you know, kind of mixes. And we're interviewing quarterback andy dalton of um the uh cincinnati Bengals, and we're asking him like why he thinks he could keep the job and he's like well I, I complete passes and he goes and we do a lot of like yeah you complete passes to here but we're gonna need you to complete passes to here mm-hmm. and it was a really funny good sketch we did it twice we actually called it back later in the season so that was a lot of fun and um that's it josh
0: yeah nice work
1: thanks yeah
0: maybe we'll uh See we should we can, try to add, see if we can put those up. online. Yeah. We, we, you know, we put up your uh, Blair Witch the musical recently. We're really going through my career. Yeah, it feels like I'm
1: getting a lifetime achievement. Excavate
0: award. all of Jason's uh, past glories. There, I can't wait to give my speech. Yes, yes. So, Mike Judge, I mean, his as we've said has has had kind of a frustrating career as a director of live action films. And uh, he's directed two other live-action movies, uh, Idiocracy and Extract. And Idiocracy, another movie that was really missing, far more than this one even, that was mishandled, mismarketed, kind of dumped by the studio, and became this huge cult phenomenon that is very influential and referenced constantly. Extract, not so much.
1: Yeah, I didn't love either of those movies, but I
0: would, I would rewatch both of them. I remember being... Disappointed with both of those films as well,
2: but haven't seen them since. So, Dave, what are your thoughts on huge fan of idiocracy? And if we ever do 2006, it'll probably be my pick. But, (laughs) uh, yeah, extract though just did nothing for me over
0: Scott Pilgrim. That's not from 2006, Scott Pilgrim. That's from 2011. Well, then you don't have to worry about (laughs) it. Don't worry
2: about Scott Scott Pilgrim. Cut all that out there.
0: there. Of course, uh, Mike Judge has done a lot better on TV. I mean, King of the Hill, which was still going at this time, went on for many, 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 many more seasons, probably too many more seasons. Are they rebooting that now?
2: too? I don't know if they're
0: rebooting that. They are rebooting Beavis and Butthead, which has been rebooted once already. It had a Mm -hmm. revival, a single season revival in 2011, which was really good. I remember wondering if they could capture it again, and I thought that was really funny. They are doing more episodes of that for Paramount Plus, as well as a movie of Beavis and Butthead. Um, of course, more recently, Silicon Valley on HBO, which ran for I mean, six seasons, something like that.
1: It was, I watched the first four, it was great, but law of diminishing returns by the end of season four, I couldn't deal with it totally, anymore.
0: Totally. Yeah. And it definitely felt uh, very repetitive. And right, right. it never was quite as good as it could have been, but there's so much of office space in Silicon Valley. Yes,
2: agreed. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, The Good Family. Did anybody watch that? That was his uh not successful uh animated comedy that was making fun of like liberals.
2: I don't even remember that. Yeah,
0: it was on Fox for one season. Yeah, it was. I mean, Mike Judge has this kind of like he's quiet about it, but there's there's a somewhat conservative libertarian streak to some of his comedy. And that seemed like that was coming out. They were these, you know, hippie progressives, and it was it was mocking them in a not particularly effective or amusing way. So that one didn't work, but otherwise he's been quite successful. He's good. on good, yeah. No, overall I think he's very, he's very good, and uh, I look forward to those new Beavis and Butthead episodes. Wonderful, thank you. I mean, acting wise, Do you we... look forward to other things in life. Not really, just good. that, just that. It's enough. <laughs> so that's what keeps takes me going. a lot of your energy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all I need really to keep going. Yeah, we mentioned these, you know, a lot of the actors and where they've gone. Ron Livingston is a very steadily working character actor, does a lot of TV. I hear
1: Milk's quite good. His his Amazon show. I haven't watched it.
0: No, I haven't either, but um he's also on uh, a million little things on ABC right now, which is a fairly successful show. And Jennifer Aniston, I mean, as with all the friends, she do- does have trouble kind of no, establishing- she she's huge now. I well, I mean, she's famous for being Jennifer Aniston. The morning show is quite acclaimed. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I know. I don't say you like it. I'm right. saying it's quite acclaimed. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it it it's had a lot of mixed response, really. I mean, I'm she's able to be uh, to star in these big productions, but I think nothing that she's done has really eclipsed what she did on Friends. Maybe not, but I think
1: it's a little unfair because. Um, I've mentioned my love of the breakup, right. which if that's in 2006, that might be my pick. We're just gonna think... put every movie in 2006. <laughs> <Yeah>. Why not?
0: <laughs> um, how about the Good Girl? That's
1: a great movie that she's really good in.
0: She is. And what I was gonna say, the second part of what I was gonna say is that you, you know part of that is that sort of status is that she has that freedom to take parts in these smaller films or you know, stretch herself a bit and that she does that in movies like The Good Girl. And I, I think she maybe doesn't get enough credit for that.
1: I think you're right, Josh. Uh, can I throw a um, an underrated Ron Livingston movie at you that I yeah, talked okay. about? Yeah, okay. Drinking Buddies, Joe Swanberg. That's a good movie.
0: I like that movie too. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of Joe Swanberg, um, who's very, very prolific. Um, but uh, that that's, yeah, that's a fun one. David Herman, tons of voice roles. Uh, and A.J. Naidoo works in in small roles, uh, supporting roles. He does a lot of theater, but again, they didn't become, you don't recognize them necessarily when you watch this film.
1: No, I agree. Well, Dave Herman, like you said, like, man, he's done King of the Hill, Futurama, Bob's Burgers, The Great North now. And AJ is more of a multimedia type artist. He directed a movie called Ashes from 2006. Don't quote me on that um (laughs) but uh he does like a lot of like uh world music production and i don't even mean world music as we think of it but maybe like hip-hop music from around the world um so yeah those guys they're all working and you know the rest of that supporting cast there's like the is like a hall of fame
0: of great supporting actors right right yeah you look at those and you see stephen root and you see gary cole and you see john mcginley And definitely, those are guys that are always welcome, uh, always entertaining to watch. Um, Yeah. But, you know, those other two, you don't necessarily think of them, oh, I know that guy when they show up on screen. Now, Gary Cole, I think, just signed on to, like, NCIS, right? after. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be, he's replacing Mark Harmon as, like, the lead of NCIS. Yeah, I mean... He's got to work. What do you like him as? Peter Brady and the Brady Bunch? I movie? never actually have seen those Brady Bunch He's movies.
1: great as the commentator in Dodgeball on the Ocho, and in, and the dad in Talladega Nights are probably the two. Yeah,
0: and he's also a good dramatic actor. I remember an uh, underrated horror series called American Gothic yeah. from probably maybe around this period, actually. I that think he's was from Spike Steppenwolf
1: Theater. Theater in Chicago. Yeah, which, you could know, be. yeah very talented guy. Now, you mentioned Steven Root. He's, uh, he's on fire right now. I mean, he's always on fire, but... Queen Pins, the tragedy of Macbeth, and Paint all coming out or out now. You know those. So he's got a lot going.
0: Yeah, I mean he works a lot with the Cohens. I'm sure that's you know that's Joel Cohen doing the Macbeth film. Yeah, um, he was great on Barry, the HBO series. Um, always good. Did yeah. we talk about Paint when we talked
1: about uh, my pick uh, with Owen Wilson, uh, Rushmore? I don't know that we did. Paint but- sounds really interesting. It's basically about like a public access uh, TV show painter. And then like a new hotshot painter comes in and gets a public access show. I know like Owen Wilson and Steven Ruder in it. It sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. McGinley, like amazing on scrubs. We all know that. And he's, he's, see he still scenes in almost everything that he's in. I think
0: he does. He was just great uh, as this sort of detestable villain character on the last season of Brooklyn nine, nine. And, you know, as soon as he comes on, you, he just. Creates that character. Immediately, you yeah. understand that character. He's got energy
1: and, you know, uh, 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 a real, like, you know, you want to focus on him. Also a
0: huge Bruce Springsteen fan, Josh. Well, that's the most important thing. Oh, so yeah. anything else on the legacy? What about wanna- Diedrich
1: Bader? Well, sorry, we don't want him to forget Diedrich Bader. From films like Jay and Silent Bob
0: and Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> he's he's also a voice actor who does a lot of, uh, of voiceover work. He's done the voice of Batman, I think. But I want to say this, right? Jay and Silent
1: Bob strike back office space napoleon dynamite
0: pretty good yeah i mean as far as that that sort of weird niche of dave's picks yeah. i feel like those <laughs> uh, could all be dave he's pick. really a star of dave's <laughs> picks <laughs> was he also in foot
1: fist way or am i imagining that
2: no i think it's just because of his napoleon dynamite yeah, I think that's what i was yeah. confusing
1: them yeah all right well um the worst thing that's ever been done um as a spoof of this was a Ted Cruz commercial of oh. the printer scene hmm. where they were where it was like Hillary Clinton's staff busting the computer cuz of her emails. Oh, Ted Cruz,
0: he's so funny. That's terrible. It is horrible. We don't want that.
1: So. Uh some famous fans include Chris Rock, Jim Carrey and Madonna.
0: Sure. I like those people.
1: And what about Tales from the Bus? Did you ever watch that, Mike? No,
0: Judge that that was a recent Mike Judge uh show that was like a animations of uh like roadies and uh, techs and people like that and rock stars and their yeah. their stories about being on the road. So, no, that seems like a weird project because it's not, you know, it's him interpreting people's real experiences. I think it only lasted for a season, so maybe not mm-hmm. the best either. All right. I got nothing else on this one, Josh. No, that's a, that was a lot. So anything else you want to add here, Dave? I think you guys did it. We did do it. Uh-huh. We did it! So that's Office Space. And that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Check us out on the social media. You can
1: check us out or check me out. Hey, JasonHarrisComedy.com, not a website. Go for Jason.com, TPS report of a website. Who knows what those things are? Uh, Find me on any of the socials, J. Harris Comedy, Jason Harris Comedy. I will try to get those sketches up. They're fun to watch. Yeah, we'd love to see them. AwesomeMovieYear.com it's a adequate awesome movie year on facebook and instagram awesome movie pod on
0: twitter i am at joshbellhateseverything.com there's, there's some stuff there Josh Bell hates everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter and listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together.
2: Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Piecing Pod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces.
0: Tell us what you think about stuff. Yes. Any hey, stuff, really. stuff. Whatever you want. Share recipes. Anything you like. Ooh, recipes. No, don't do that. It's a movie group. Dave will, Dave will cancel your post.
1: If you if can, it's movie what, related, yeah, that's fine. you can
2: fine.
0: share recipes from
1: Julia and Julia. All right. the classic 2006 (laughs) (laughs) what's uh in our next episode jason josh i'm excited for this one it's our cult classic and office space could have been it but 1999 one of the ultimate cult classics to ever come out troy duffy's the boondock saints so tune in
0: next time for the boondock saints and thanks for listening to awesome movie year
2: thank you for listening to awesome movie year Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts.
0: An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. Yeah, you picked some real uh, losers there oh, in I know. the past. <laughs> the Frighteners, possibly. Was, was Jason's least, least favorite movie we've talked about? No, maybe I just said it was recent, my least was favorite Was it movie. How to Succeed in Business, maybe? No, Wild Wild West. No, Wild yeah, Wild that's, West. That yeah. yeah, is yeah. my least favorite. Yeah. That's so
1: bad. Fun. Yeah, fair enough. With 10, you picked uh, The Producers, yeah. which isn't bad. You like The Producers. I do.
0: Like not like The Producers. So. Yeah. What else have you picked? Uh, the only, Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh, Kentucky Fried <laughs> Movie. No, I'm yeah. glad
1: you picked that movie. Yeah, that yeah, yeah,
0: I didn't like it, but it was something interesting to talk about. Yeah. So yeah,
1: and this is a good addition.
0: Right, right. So. I mean, and it's not that those are like necessarily like bad picks. That, I mean, I just didn't enjoy for sure. watching them. But yeah, you know, fair enough. It's all good. <laughs>